Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Finding affordable and quality childcare was a challenge for many parents before the COVID-19 pandemic, but the pandemic made it even worse. Not all childcare providers have recovered. Like other industries, hiring and keeping workers has been a problem. However, it's one that preceded the pandemic. One of the reasons is childcare workers are not paid much, and as a result, there's a high turnover. Children First PA conducted a survey of what childcare workers are paid, and it's not a positive report. My Mixick is the Early Childhood Education Policy Director at Children's First. She wrote the report and is on the spark with us today. Ms. Mixick, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So I saw a quote from you where you called this a crisis. In what way? It's a crisis because it's affecting every part of our society at this point. It's not just a crisis for the childcare sector, but the early childhood workforce is the workforce behind the workforce, which means people can't go to work. And so when you think about number the thousands of kids sitting on wait lists across the state, that's thousands of families that can't go to work. That's thousands of businesses that can't staff. And that's our economy that can't rebound from the pandemic. All right, you just said rebound from the pandemic. Has this situation gotten more dire as a result of the pandemic? Absolutely. I think what happened was the pandemic showed us what we value and what we don't value. So if you think about the fact that childcare workers were frontline workers, they they weren't recognized as that right away. They had a hard time finding PPE. They had a hard time getting access to vaccines. They weren't prioritized in the same way other frontline workers were. And I think that the childcare workforce felt that that lack of respect. And, and we had to fight hard as an advocacy organization to get them those resources during the pandemic. Um, so when you think about the fact that they had to put their their safe, the health and safety on the line by working in child care centers during a pandemic. They had a hard time accessing the supplies and the vaccine needed to do it safely. I mean, who, why why are we surprised that they are quitting? Why, with coupled with the low wages, why are we surprised that they would say, you know, this is not this is not worth it for me? There weren't many positives that came out of the pandemic, that's for sure. But uh, just in my own experience of the conversations we've had over the past three years on this program, uh, when we talked about COVID-19 and talked about the pandemic, if anything did come out of it, it was that there were more people who were paying attention to how important child care really is, just for the reasons that you suggested. Have you noticed the same thing? I certainly think that it's it's been elevated to... Uh, it's been elevated in policy conversations. It's been elevated in the media. Uh, I think that people are talking about it more with, with their neighbors and their friends, but I, I don't think that policymakers have really stepped up to the plate and actually answered the call for action. Why do you say that? Well, I think that we've put in a lot of money in one-time funds, both from the federal government and also at the state level, but it hasn't come close to stemming this crisis. In fact, as we've rebounded from the pandemic, the crisis has actually only gotten worse. So one of the things we've been doing as a part of uh, the statewide Start Strong PA campaign is we've been periodically surveying the field to see how bad this staffing crisis really is. We did one last spring, we did one in September, and we just finished one now. And in the past year, we've seen a growth of almost 6,000 kids on waiting lists. 
So last spring it was about 32,000. And then this spring it's about 38,000. And so why is it that we are rebounding from the pandemic in many, many ways, but this crisis is only getting worse? And I think it's because the policies we're putting into place are not sustainable long-term policies. Those kids that are on waiting list, what do their parents do? Well, I I was one of those parents as well. Uh, I had a child back in 2021, and um, my son was due in July, and I was looking in April for childcare. And I found one place with one slot, and they said it will be available in November. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I have to go back to work. And my son's coming in July. I love what I do for a living. Like, I think I not only am I passionate about it, but also I think it really contributes to a better, greater community good. And and I wanted to work. Um, and so what we ultimately did was we we cobbled together a patchwork of care between support from um, my husband's mother, so grandma, and uh, a part-time nanny. And both my husband and I at the time were fortunate enough to work from home. Um, that's what we did. We just, it was just a, a patchwork of care. And that's actually not what's really great for kids. I mean, they, kids, not kids, but young babies really benefit from what we call continuity of care. So uh, a regular caregiver who they can bond with, who can develop routines, who can develop like reliable patterns that babies learn to you know, trust and build secure attachments to. And so it wasn't ideal by any means. We eventually did end up at a star four childcare program, but it took a lot of work. Can I ask what you paid? What we paid for, for the, the star four. Oh, we pay $1,600, a little over $1,600 a month. Wow. For a lot of now, my kids are in their 30s now, and we paid a lot less when <laughs> when when they were going to uh, to some kind of uh, child care. Um, so let's talk about the survey itself. Why did you want to conduct this survey? You mentioned that you do conduct them throughout the year, but uh, this particular survey, why did you want to conduct it? Well, we've known for a long time that the wages of the sector are low. Uh, we know this anecdotally. We also know it from some national data uh, that centers like um, out of UC Berkeley, the Center for the Study of Child Care Employment, they uh, use data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics to uh, kind of document what child care workers are making across the country. But the Bureau of Labor Statistics surveys largely bigger programs, basically, like programs that are larger in size. And so their numbers are not as precise as we would like it to be in order to make a persuasive policy proposal to lawmakers. And so we felt it was necessary to find a way to get data that was more reliable, basically, that really took into consideration both larger programs, but also smaller programs. So this study is actually made up of two parts. It's one part, a quantitative study of wages and a second part, a qualitative measure of what those wages mean for the everyday lives of child care teachers. Mm. So how much are early childhood teachers in Pennsylvania paid on an hourly basis? So on average across the state, they're paid $12.43. Our study found that that's less than what hairstylists are making, it's less than what home health aides are making, and kindergarten teachers are making more than twice that. What does that work out to on a yearly basis? 
About $25,000. $25,000. How can anyone live on that nowadays? Well, you know, with the rate of inflation and the cost of things like food going up, it's not surprising that other industries that are able to increase prices of their products are able to increase wages. And so it makes sense that childcare teachers are leaving to go work at places like Target because places like Target have been able to increase wages over time because they have the economies of scale and they have a pro products that you can increase prices on. But you can't do that with childcare, right? Because parents like me and 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 your and your children as well, we're already paying more than what in-state tuition is in tuition costs for childcare programs. And so childcare providers are in this really difficult situation where uh, they want to pay their staff more, but they don't want to raise the prices on parents. You know, that analogy you just made, you're talking about college tuition? In-state college tuition, yep. And we're paying more, parents are paying more than they would for in-state college tuition. You know, one of the reasons we hear that uh, college tuitions cost the, what they do is because of personnel cost, what faculty mm -hmm. are, are paid. That's a huge difference between, you know, someone making $12.43 an hour compared to uh, college professors who are probably making over $100,000 a year. I mean, that, that's incredible. Yeah, I think it just goes to show how um, kind of backwards our society is when you think about investments and where they're made. Because we know from a lot of extensive research that the return on investment for the for early education is so much higher than in other times of a child's life. Like, I think that there's a famous Nobel Prize winning economist, um, Professor Heckman, who showed that uh, if you invest early on, you don't have to invest in other things like like uh, poverty programs or workforce training or even things like incarceration rates are lower for people who have had experience um, in high quality early childhood programming. And so, uh, it, I mean, from my perspective, perhaps I'm a little biased because this is the field I work in, but I think early education is where we need to be investing. And um, if you wait until later on in life, it costs more for society. Our guest today is Mai Mixic, who is the Early Childhood Education Policy Director at Children's First PA in Philadelphia. We're talking about a survey report that uh, uh, Ms. Mixic actually wrote having to do with the pay of child care workers and the impact it has. Before we get into those impacts, you said earlier you and your husband pay $1,600 a month. A lot of people look at child care and say it's expensive. Parents are paying hundreds thousands of dollars each month. So why aren't workers being paid more? Well, I think it's twofold. Um, first, it's the it's the business model of child care programs. You need to have a certain number of adults per child in order to keep a facility that's safe. So for infants, that's four infants to one adult. And so you have this business model where you, you have to put a lot of money into the labor and then there's not very much money for everything else. Um, and so, like I said earlier, you know, with, with a company like Target, they can increase prices on um, products, but you can't really as easily increase tuition for parents. And so it's it's just a hard business model 
to um, to to it's hard it's a hard business for for providers to run. And then secondly, I think it's just historically not been a field that's been very respected. Um, I think it's true of a lot of care industries, not just child care, but home health aides, um, teaching, nursing, like fields that are dominated by women typically have been lower paid in general. And I think for a long time, and maybe still in, in some parts of the country, early child education is still thought of as, as, a, as babysitting and not as early education. Who who are becoming uh, early childhood educators today? Well, um, I think that it it depends on where you are in the state, but um, there's been a mix of you know, it's it's largely women, and then it's largely um, right now middle aged women taking care of of young children. Um, there's been definitely a disincentive for people to go into the field because of the low wages and because that those wages haven't been adjusted for inflation and there is a lot of competition in other sectors. And so when we were doing the survey, you know, it, it really wasn't a surprise to us that um, it was largely uh, women in their 30s and 40s. And then, um, it, you know, a large number of them are women of color as well. Are they college educated? So for for those who responded to our survey, a majority of them were college educated. I think it's probably because they they uh, they wanted to have a voice in in this issue around wages. Um, for a lot of early childhood education programs, lead teachers do need to have a college degree. So in the state funded pre K counts program. Lead teachers are supposed to have a bachelor's degree. Now there are ways for people to um, work their way towards a higher degree, um, but I think people are often surprised when they hear that you know lead teachers in early childhood programs have college degrees because of the low salaries. Yeah, because of the low salaries, and because they think it's a babysitting job. They don't realize that there's actually knowledge that is required to take care of young children around you know, brain development, language development, socio-emotional development. What kind of skills uh, do early childhood educators possess or should they possess? Well, they they certainly know about child development, socio-emotional development and language development, like I said, but they are also trained on a lot of other skills like identifying signs of child abuse and neglect, for example, or identifying developmental delays um, being able to make referrals to programs like early intervention if they notice that, you know, a child is not speaking as much as he should at a certain time and point. So those are all skills that you have to be trained and credentialed on. And you you want someone who can tell you, hey, by the way, I've noticed that, you know, little Johnny is is only saying five words and he's almost two. Like, this is the time for you to get some extra help with your child. Like you want someone who can identify those things. They're with your child for like eight hours or more a day. Um, you want someone who's qualified to do those things. So as a result of the low salaries, turnover is high. It always has been high. Give me a sense of just what that's like. So are, are you talking about the numbers or what the experience of high turnover is? Both. Both. Okay. So, I mean, we found in our survey that 50% of those 
who responded said they are thinking about or plan to leave their job in the next five years. That's a 50% turnover rate. And that really, for those of us who are in the field was startling and very concerning to hear. On, a, on an individual level base, high turnover, as I mentioned earlier, is not great for bonding and attachment. And so it's very disruptive to um, a child's development. Um, I will say, you know, as I, I have a young young baby, um, he's been in the classroom, he's been in a toddler classroom since last June, and it hasn't even been a full year yet, and he's had three different lead teachers. And every time it's a new teacher, I have to take him into this stranger, and he's crying, and he's, you know, refusing for me to leave, because it's someone completely new. And this is at a Star Force Center where they are able to pay a little bit more than the average uh, childcare program. And so on an individual scale, it's, it's bad for kids. It's also more likely to be disorganized. I remember um, not at this center, but when my older daughter was in a program with high turnover, she, I, would, I would go and pick her up and um, she'd be wearing like a different outfit. And I'd be like, oh, what happened? And they couldn't tell me like, did she throw up? Like, does she have an accident? Like, whose clothes are she wearing? She's not wearing my clothes. Like, that level of disorganization is what every parent fears. And that's what happens when you have high turnover, because there isn't just the continuity of care, like I talked about, that's needed to keep a program high quality. Is that a question parents should ask when they're seeking child care? Is, you know, what, what your turnover rate is? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that would be one of the number one things I ask is what is the turnover rate like? You know, are you having staffing problems? I mean, the problem is, is it's, it's not going to be a great answer right now because everybody's facing staffing problems. So um, I, I think that, you know, once upon a time to high turnover rate was symptomatic of a program that wasn't run well, but now it's, it's every program because of the staffing crisis. So what's the answer? Or are there, maybe I should say, answers? Well, we know that policymakers can step in and help industries out when the need is high. We saw throughout the pandemic at the federal level and at the uh, state level that they can make investments, one-time investments. I think the time is now to make sustainable investments, and the mechanisms are there to do that. Governor Shapiro outlined his budget plan earlier this week. He included more money for low-income families uh, and, and child care. Um, but one thing I just want to kind of clarify here, it sounded as if the governor was talking about that money going to low-income families so that they are able to afford child care. What about the salaries or helping to, you know, to pay the workers at child care facilities? Well, I, a lot of us were disappointed in that budget because while it sounds like $66.7 million for child care works is a lot of money, it's actually plugging a hole uh, in federal dollars that are going away. So it's not, even though it was targeted toward low-income families, it's not going to have the impact that's needed to solve this child care crisis. Mm -hmm. So again, what's the solution beyond the, what the governor is proposing in about a minute so, or so? 
<laughs> well, I think that he needs to put in more dollars. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, this is a wage problem and money needs to be targeted toward childcare programs. We know that they did it during the pandemic. We know they can do it again, but in a more sustainable way. Uh, 30 seconds now. Ideally, what should a childcare worker be making? We think if they have a bachelor's degree and they have, you know, let's say five years of experience, we think 21 to $23 is completely fair. That's not even as much as what kindergarten teachers are making. What about uh, those who don't have a bachelor's degree? We think $15, $17 sounds fair. How can you get that far? I mean, that's a big that's a big difference what they're it's making now. Jump. Yeah, it is a big jump. And I think that, you know, people should get over the sticker shock of what it costs to, like, raise the children that are going to be our future taxpayers. My Mixic is the Early Childhood Education Policy Director at Children First PA. Thanks for listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar. Have yourself a great day.